Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs. And become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Today's episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark is brought to you by Parcast Presents Halloween, an incredible new paranormal podcast from the folks at Parcast, available now on Spotify with more than two dozen blood-curdling episodes released this past October. I'll be back after our second story tonight to tell you a little bit more about Parcast Presents Halloween. Until then, go ahead and lock your doors and double-check beneath your bed. You never know what might come crawling out while I've got you distracted. <laughs> Stay tuned. The show's about to begin. <laughs> Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 16. I'm your host, Otis Jiry. In tonight's episode, I'll be performing five stories for you about window watchers, instruments of evil, macabre metamorphosis, gruesome games, 
and offensive odors. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now it's time to take a walk together down the moonlit trail. So lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show is about to begin. <laughs> Our first tale of terror this evening comes to us courtesy of author Colin Entelman. In it, we'll meet a man who believes he's being followed by someone wherever he goes. Some think it's all in his head, but is it? Without further ado, I present to you The Man in My Bedroom Window. For as long as I can remember... There's been a man in my bedroom window. It seems strange to say, I know, but it's true. From the earliest fuzzy moments I have all the way up to now, he's been there, looking at me. In my first memories of him, he was an indistinct, blurry blob that was only vaguely man-shaped. My young mind didn't think much of it and hardly put much effort into understanding it. The man had always been there, standing motionlessly, aside from a slight swaying motion that could have been a trick of the light. He didn't really do anything, and his presence hardly gave off any sort of threatening vibes. It was simply just a constant, passive presence in my life, much like the sun or moon. I simply accepted the fact that he was just always there, It wasn't until I was seven years old that I realized his presence wasn't a normal thing, when, for the very first time, he moved. I didn't really notice it at first, as I wandered sleepily into my room that night. I quickly changed into my pajamas and settled into bed as usual. I made a point to not look at the window at all during this process. I was plenty used to the man's constant presence, But the idea of him watching me change, uh, that still made me a bit uncomfortable. It helped to simply pretend he wasn't there as I got ready for bed. As soon as I was all snuggled up in bed, though, I would turn to face the window to say goodnight, much like how other young children might say goodnight to the moon. It was then that I saw his usually indistinct hand, which suddenly seemed a lot more solid as it pressed firmly into the glass, causing the frame to creak under the pressure. Obviously startled by this, I rushed off to tell my parents. The looks on their faces when I told them that the man in my window moved were confused at first, then noticeably horrified. They rushed to my room, my mom carrying me along in her arms. When we got there, the man had returned to his usual position, standing motionless outside the window. When I tried to explain to my parents that 
Despite being back to normal, the man had definitely moved. They gave me a strange sort of look. However, a flash of understanding passed across my dad's face, and he leaned in to whisper something into Mom's ear. She nodded in response, and they both sighed in visible relief. I continued to try and frantically explain, but she just gently shushed me as she laid me down back into bed. I still clearly remember what she said to me as she tucked me in that night. It's okay, honey. You just had a bad dream. There's no man standing in your window. It took a couple of years, a few trips to a psychologist, and more than a few unpleasant encounters with kids at school, however... Eventually, I learned not to talk about the man in my window. I learned that telling others about it would hardly do me any good, as there wasn't exactly anything I could do to prove that he existed. Nobody but I could see him, and there was no way of physically interacting with him. He didn't actually exist on the other side of the window. It was more like he was a reflection or some kind of image projected directly onto the window. Left with little else to do, I simply shut up about it. Eventually, after some time, everyone else in my life simply forgot about it, passing the whole thing off as just some odd childhood behavior. I never forgot, though, of course, and I definitely never stopped seeing him. I did some research, of course, to try to figure out what the man in my window was. The best I could come up with was he was a ghost or spirit of some kind, mostly because it was the only option I could find that made much of any sense. However, I couldn't seem to find any information on any other instances of someone experiencing a similar situation. None of the somewhat dubious methods of Either communicating with or getting rid of the man had worked either, so I eventually just gave up and went back to ignoring him for the most part. It wasn't like worrying about his completely passive, non-aggressive existence in my life would do any sort of good anyway. Things would go on like this for quite a while. Years passed, and my family moved to a new house and a new state in my high school years. I'd entertained the possibility that the man might disappear or be left behind as a result of our move, but I wasn't particularly disheartened to find him residing within my new bedroom window the first night after our move. Eventually, I moved away for college and into the on-campus dorm. The man followed me there as well. College would eventually come to an end, and shortly after, I moved into my current apartment. At this point, I would have been more surprised if the man hadn't followed me there. Over the years, his constant presence would be unchanging. However, there was something about the man that was slowly starting to change over time. I thought it was just my imagination at first. However, it slowly became clear that this wasn't the case. As time went on, the man was steadily becoming more and more clear and distinct. Much like hair growth, 
was very slow going, but became more obvious over time. I began to be able to make out certain details about his appearance, the length and general shape of his hair, the color of his clothes, things like that. As of late, I've been able to somewhat make out the style of the clothes he's wearing as well. A plaid button-up and a pair of jeans, to be specific. Despite this, for the longest time, I wasn't able to make out any of his facial features. No matter how clear the rest of them would become, his face would still remain as stubbornly blurry and indistinct as my earlier memories of him. Other than that, though, it seemed like nothing much else changed and that things would simply go on as normal. That is, until last night. In the middle of the night, I woke up to the sound of banging. It was a desperate sort of racket, as if whoever was doing it was trying their very best to make as much noise as possible. I thought at first that it was someone at my front door, but it I quickly realized that that wasn't the case. The sound was much too close for that. Finally, I turned my gaze to the bedroom window and realized that it was him, the man in my window. I recoiled in fear, terrified by his sudden violence. It was the most I'd seen the man move, and certainly the most threatening he'd ever seemed. It took me a long moment of panic breaths and adrenaline, but I eventually realized that he wasn't able to get in. Rather, it seemed more like the man wasn't even trying to, as if he was simply trying to get my attention. Having calmed down a bit, I decided to test this theory. I rose from my bed, putting on my glasses as I went, and drew closer to the window. Lo and behold, the man ceased his banging. His body language, however, still panicked and fearful. I couldn't tell, since I still couldn't see his face, but it almost seemed as if he was trying to yell something to me. However, he seemed incapable of speaking in any way that I could hear, and I had no way of attempting to read his obscured lips. This quickly started to change, though. The man was clearer than he'd ever been before, so clear that you could almost convince me that he was just a reflection. He was becoming even clearer by the second, and for the first time ever, I was beginning to be able to see his facial features. It started around the edges, giving me an idea of the general shape of his face. Then it started to draw in closer toward the center of his face. The more it revealed, though, the more familiar the man became. So familiar it was eerie. This familiarity shook me to my very core. I knew the man. It was me. And he was screaming, Run! I'm writing this from the first train out of town that I was able to get tickets for this morning. A part of me thinks that I'm being a bit silly for doing this. However, an even bigger part of me thinks that I'd have to be an idiot to ignore the man's I don't ignore my warning. I don't know where I'm headed, so I haven't exactly given clear instructions on where to go. All I can do at this point is hope that I'm headed away from whatever I should be running from. 
I suppose we'll just have to see what the man in the window has to say tonight. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I hope you enjoyed The Man in My Bedroom Window by author Colin Entman, as performed by yours truly. Up next, we've got another terrifying tome. This one from a writer who goes by the moniker Sludgy Boy. About a man who can't live without music and sets out to make his own. But with his odd taste in instruments, he may be better off sticking to his day job. Without further ado, I present to you The Musician. Name? The man sitting across from me asked. I coughed. My mind had been wandering again. The man looked at me patiently. Name, he repeated again. Edwin, I replied. Edwin Stroud. The man pursed his lips slightly as he checked the papers in front of him. Occupation, he asked. Musician, I replied. His eyes looked up from the papers. Sorry, he said. Musician, I repeated. "'smiling innocently. "'Hmm, musician,' the man replied. "'Patronizing? Maybe just a bit. "'I was finding it a bit difficult to concentrate. "'Well, Mr. Stroud, why don't you tell me about your music?' "'The man was definitely patronizing me now. "'I wasn't sure why. "'I wasn't even sure who he was.' I struggled to focus my thoughts back as far as I could. That's kind of strange. When I was a child, I suffered from extreme melophobia. You know what that is? The man nodded. He was looking at me very intently. Not looking at me so much as looking into me. Well, all through my childhood, I had this fear I'd freak out if I heard music. Any kind of music. Do you know how difficult that is? How hard it is for your family? TV with the sound off. We used subtitles. No kids' parties or days out. I was homeschooled because I would just go berserk at any time. I had panic attacks. Music sounded like dragging nails down a blackboard. 
It had a physical presence, stifling me, battering me with its rhythms. I guess my home life was pretty stressful. My parents started drinking a lot. I can't blame them. Who would want a child to ruin their life? A child that, by one way or another, you love unconditionally. Yeah, I, I guess that was tough. Anyway, as I said, uh, my parents used to drink quite a bit. And I'd hear them shouting as I'd go to sleep. That became normal. No lullabies, just tension and anger and fear. One night, I remember, we did our usual bedtime routine, trying to give my father a hug, him not being able to look at me, and me hugging his leg, his whole body tensed, as though it took all his willpower not to lash out at me. My mother, smelling of raw alcohol, smothering me with sarcastic cooing and forced affection. I went to bed, and the usual nocturnal arguments began. They soothed me. Then I heard something. I, I guess it was music. I was half asleep, but the music seemed beautiful. I soon fell asleep, and the music was just a memory. The next day, I asked my father about the music he was playing last night. He said that he and my mother had decided to split up because it was a self-destructive situation, that her drinking was way out of hand, and they had, he had put some music on after she'd gone. I guess it was kind of a parting fuck you. He never played that song again. I figured I was over this phobia, but after never hearing music as long as I could remember... It took a huge amount of willpower to actively seek it out, do go against everything that my brain was telling me not to do, like skydiving or bungee jumping. I remember I must have been about 12. My dad was out, and I turned the TV on. I turned the volume up slowly, attentively. The saccharine advert jingle shot like electricity down my spine. It sounded discordant metallic. It was jarring in its ferocity. I couldn't move. I wasn't over it. I started to panic. I collapsed on the floor. My father found me about a half hour later in the fetal position, rigid with fear and covered with sweat. We got rid of the TV. I blinked, the memories fading fast, and I was back in the room. The man was still staring intently at me, the fluorescent lights reflecting in his glasses. He pushed them up on the bridge of his nose slightly and leaned forward, almost imperceptibly. Then what? he said. After he finished his sentence, his mouth curled in the corner as if he was somehow humoring me by listening to his story. By the time I was fifteen, my dad was hardly around. He'd be out drinking all the time and doing whatever else he did now that my mom had left. I found I could go out at night. There was less of a chance of idiots with loud car stereos or TV noise. Even people singing used to make me feel weird. So my dad would be out, and so would I. I was pretty much nocturnal. I'd sleep in the day and use earplugs in case the local ice cream van came around and sent me over the edge with its tinny feedback-like howl. 
I could casually observe people from the safety of the darkness. Not like a peeping Tom. I'm not a pervert or anything. I'm nothing. No thing. I should say at this point that where we lived was not far from the edge of town, about a half hour's walk away, and I used to head out on my own into the dark, doesn't that sound crazy nowadays, and just listen to the night sounds. One night I was out laying on my back looking at the stars when a car drove past and stopped. It was about a quarter of a mile away, I would guess. A man got out and I could hear the music again. It was sublime. I wept. The melodies were incredible. The car drove off, but the singing remained. I walked towards where the car seemed to have been, but the music had stopped and was alone in the silence again. I decided to carry a tape recorder with me, just in case I heard it again. I mean, I couldn't listen to most music, but this was somehow different. It didn't terrify or smother. It comforted. It soared. I had to find it again. It was a few months later. I was heading out on my usual nighttime walk when I heard it again. It was somehow different than before. Quieter, too, but still good. I took out my tape recorder and hit the record button, hoping it wasn't too low to register on the rubbish built-in mic. I wandered around trying to find where it was coming from, but it just seemed to hover on the air. I looked around, but my only other witness in this search was an old dog resting under a bush. Before I could trace it, it was gone. Over the next few years, I managed to record some more tunes, but they were so rare and fleeting that I started to treasure each cassette and hid them away from my father in case he smashed them like he smashed all the records when I was young. This was my music. So you hid the music from your father. Why is that? The man didn't even seem to be blinking now. He was completely emotionless. Yes, I replied. He wouldn't have understood. All those years of not having music in the house, then finding my cassettes with beautiful music, it would have been too much for him. He got angry when he was drunk, and he was usually drunk. I don't think that's the reason, said the man. Is it? These last two words were very deliberate. Is it? Maybe he thought I was lying about my father. Maybe he thought I didn't have these wondrous tapes hidden away. We found your tapes, he said. There were lots of them. I knew I wasn't lying. When did you start making your own music? Again, the sarcastic tone. I didn't understand why he was patronizing me. I smiled. You know, it took me a long time to figure it out. I was having to make do with finding these songs just floating on the air. They didn't happen very often, but I would treasure them when they did. Then I found out how to make this music myself. It's not as hard as you think. The tricky part was finding musicians up to the job. Like they say about stories, everyone has a good one in them. Some have more than one. The trick is to get them to make music for as long as possible. That was where I needed to study, to tease these songs out of the chaos of thought, to write longer songs. 
At first, like any musician, I was clumsy. Hours of work might only produce a few chords, maybe the beginnings of a melody. I did learn, though, and become more productive. The songs started to flow, and I began to fall in love with music. Because of my condition, I could only work with one musician at a time. I would record what they had to offer, then move on. I'd mix the separate recordings together to make old songs, and I had to travel around to find people to work with, and I found talent everywhere. The expression on the man's face seemed to change for the first time. He still looked into me, but now he didn't like what he saw. He was done humoring me now. You know, we also found your recording studio. The statement seemed to hang there unfinished. Was he waiting for me to add something? Really? Impressive, isn't it? I replied and smiled again, hoping to diffuse the tension that was quickly rising in the atmosphere. You were certainly busy. The man replied through gritted teeth directly to me, before turning to speak into a tape recorder. For the record, I'm showing Mr. Stroud the photos we took at his recording studio. His tape recorder was just like mine. He placed one photo after another on the table in front of me, all taken in a darkened, filthy room. In the middle of the room was a sturdy wooden chair with leather straps hanging from the arms and legs. There was a dark patch in the floor. A microphone hung at about head height in front of the chair. One photo of a small tin containing teeth of various sizes. One photo of a severed finger. One of a metal table with various tools. One of a tape recorder. And now, the musicians. The photos were falling faster onto the table now as though the man didn't want to even touch them in case he was somehow tainted by them. Photos of bloody bodies, people of all ages, brutalized beyond recognition. This poor bastard, he said as he threw the last photo down. This poor soul lasted for three days after we found him. He died the day we got to you. Oh, yes, he was very resilient, I replied. I had a week's worth of music from him. I smiled again. The man looked at me, and I could see his jaw tense. Take him away, he said. Two large men walked in through the door and hoisted me to my feet. It's such wonderful music, I said. Beautiful, beautiful music. I was dragged down the corridor back to my room. I fell asleep to the sound of music, drifting down the corridors. I hope you enjoyed The Musician by author Sludgy Boy, as performed by yours truly. Up next, we've got a third helping of post-Halloween horror. Before I proceed, however, I'd like to tell you a bit more about tonight's sponsor, Parcast, and their latest podcast program, Halloween, available now on Spotify. All Hallow's Eve may be behind us, but that doesn't mean that we can't celebrate the spooky and with Parcast Presents 
Halloween. You can do all that this month, right up until Santa himself is hitching up his sleigh and Krampus is skipping up the naughty kids. The new podcast series on Spotify brought three blood-curdling episodes every week in October. So if you haven't tuned in yet, there's plenty of catching up to do. From urban legends to haunted places, Parcast Presents Halloween takes you on a historical tour of terror. Hear the stories of an escaped killer on the prowl, a gruesome discovery by four young friends, the legendary killings of Salem's first witches, and much more. Search for Parcast Presents Halloween in the Spotify app and start listening for free. If you enjoy what you hear, please help support the show's creators by leaving them a ratings and a kind word in a review and let them know that Otis Jiry and Scary Stories Told in the Dark sent you. It'd mean a whole lot to me. Thanks for giving Parcast Presents Halloween a listen this month and for helping make Halloween a year-round celebration. Now that we've helped provide you with a Halloween history lesson, courtesy of our friends at ParCast and Spotify, allow me to give you another dose of frightening fiction with another tale of my own. Our third story tonight comes to us from an author who goes by the moniker Aim to Snack and tells of a family with an unusual affliction which affects them while they sleep. If you think your insomnia is bad, you ain't seen nothing yet. Without further ado, I present to you The Ones Who Sleep Alone. During my junior year of college, I was on a bit of a bender. My high school girlfriend finally called it quits for the third time, and the lure of the one-night stand caught in the sweaty mist of beer and perfume was too much for my angry brain to withstand. I was a decent-looking guy back then, built tall and broad, with pale eyes that more than one girl compared to seafoam. I also carried a forlorn look about me that was not entirely calculated, and so it took minimal effort for my reptilian brain to wire the right coordinates toward the triangular patch so coveted by many. In other words, I was a bit of a douchebag. Time blurs the journey from cocky frat boy to settled husband, and I can't outline all of the steps for you, but there was perhaps one night that stood out amongst the others. It was a Friday or a Thursday. I can't recall, but I was attending some smoke-filled stage on Halloween night where the lights dimmed the caked-out flesh and smoothed them into blank faces and bodies. I'd met a girl, a nice slip of a thing, with purple-dyed hair and thick mascara to match. But underneath all that clownery, I could see she was uh, beautiful, and that intrigued me. Sometimes you get hot, sometimes you get cute or fine, but you rarely get beautiful. The night had ended, and I generously agreed to walk her back to her home. That was odd, I remember, that she lived with her parents, 
who happened to be near campus. But, no matter, arm in arm we swayed through the peaking lights, her one arm settled so lightly on mine. Bethany, she'd whispered in my ear, and my swoony brain tried to keep the name mid-air. At some point we redirected ourselves and conveniently were placed outside of my single. I glanced over at Bethany and realized, with some annoyance, that she was in no state for shenanigans. Now, though her eyes were bright with drink and adrenaline, her head was drooping down. Fine, be it as it may. I was a bit of a douchebag, but I wasn't a rapist. I tried to get her to tell me where she lived, but she was starting to doze. And so we found ourselves in my bedroom at 2 a.m. Good intentions, I swear. The buzz was wearing off of me, too, and I was settling on a futon while the girl was safely in my box spring twin. Classy guy that I was. I'd only dozed for perhaps a minute when I jolted awake. I glanced up to see Bethany sitting upright, combing her hair back with her fingers and muttering something to herself. I jumped up and sat on the bed, still safely away, while taking a temperature of the mood. Hey, you okay? I can't sleep, she said, which seemed incongruent with her state five minutes ago. Can you stay up with me? There was something in her voice, timid like a child knocking on her parents' door, which indicated the night would not take me the way I was hoping. Well, fair enough. I'd snipped that cord of hope well before we even set foot inside the apartment. But what was this now? What about staying up with her? What do you want to do? I asked. Her silence was prolonged and awkward. Through the dim light, I could just see her features, delicate with hair hanging down her face. Beautiful, remember? But also young and scared, and she reminded me a bit of my sister. There was a game we used to play called 100 Lights, and perhaps inspired by this, I offered this option. We could tell each other ghost stories. Bethany glanced at me. What do you mean? I shrugged, a bit embarrassed already. Something my sister and I used to do when we were kids. Uh, we called it the 100 stories based on an old story. You were supposed to light 100 candles and take turns telling stories. After each story, you extinguished a candle so that by the end, you were in pitch darkness. Then a real ghost was supposed to come. My paramour, not to be, glanced around. Well, where would we get 100 candles? I laughed. Well, obviously we didn't light 100 candles, but we improvised. We could start with the bathroom light, for example, then the desk lamp and the overhead light and so on. Kind of a fun way to end the night, no? And in the spirit of Halloween. Uh. Okay, but on one condition. Bethany looked away. You have to draw the curtains tight. It was a bit odd, but it made sense, I suppose. I flicked on all the lights in my bedroom and drew the curtains tight over the window 
guaranteeing pitch blackness when all was done. As I jolted the curtain shut, I glanced at two lampposts shining dimly in the misty night air. Before shadows flickered and I shivered, thinking about what might be out there. Somewhat invigorated by this new game, I launched into the first story, a classic, about a boy who finds a tail and learns of the creature that it belonged to. After finishing it, I stood up and flicked off the light to the living room outside. The room was still bright, and Bethany, who was looking as sober as ever, smiled at me. Her story was refreshingly creepy, about a demonic cat that slowly killed off family members one by one. I could never recall inheriting it before. Upon finishing, she stood and walked over to my desk lamp, shutting it off. As she walked by, I caught a whiff of her perfume, and I marveled at how the theme of the night shifted so much. My turn. A story about vampires in a small town. I kind of cheated as it was based on one of my stories, favorite stories, by one of my favorite authors. But Bethany went and told a weird story about a ghost that swallowed people's souls and turned them into lunatics. The details of the story escaped me, but I remember it was more weird than scary. I finished my next story and was just about to turn off the last light, which hung over the bedroom, when Bethany pointed to my DVD player, still glimmering its time in the dimming room. That first. Somewhat chagrined, at being told about my own game, I complied. Bethany launched into yet another story about a, a giant who rose from the earth and killed a small boy. Much detail went into vivid descriptions of rending flesh and splattered guts, and if it were bright enough, she would have seen my mouth hung open. Okay, I started when she finished. I moved toward the final light, but her head shook again, like a sudden blur. She pointed to my cell phone. Oh. The blinking light, she wanted it off. A sense of dread crept down my spine, but I shook it off. Wasn't this just some random party girl I picked up? We were playing some weird children's game, true, but I came up with it, not her. Somewhat impressed by her dedication, I switched my cell phone off. My turn. I told a quick, almost banal story about nothing much at all just to get it over with. Then, as an almost act of defiance mixed with humor, I went to my kitchen and unplugged the fridge. There, I thought with satisfaction. Two can play this game. There was just one light left, and it was Bethany's turn. The overhead light in the bedroom cast a faint glow over her features. In a low monotone, she launched into it. Once, there was a young girl who was never allowed to leave home. Her parents were very strict and enforced a curfew every night. Thinking that her parents just had old-fashioned values which may have stemmed from her older brother's untimely suicide years ago. This girl began to rebel in high school. She would stay out longer and longer and test her parents' limits, finally electing to spend 
one night locked in her science lab at school. When she woke up the next day, she opened the door to find her father waiting for her. To her surprise and somewhat horror, he had tears in her eyes. Dad, what is it? the girl asked. Honey, it's time you knew. The father explained to the daughter that the reason they never let her spend the night away from home was because of what happened to the girl while she slept. You see, there was a curse in this girl's family, passed from generation to generation. The women in the family, when they fell asleep, they, well, they changed. Changed, the girl asked her father. What do you mean, changed? We never really know what it's like when we sleep, do we? Even in the presence of others, when we sleep, we are unaware of ourselves. Maybe we all briefly change, matter changing into something else. How do we know we're asleep? But, the father continued, some of us change for longer than that. We change into things, things that beget unspeakable horrors. The girl laughed. Are you implying that when I fall asleep, I turn into some kind of monster, like a Medusa? I only wish, her father said. We know what Medusa looks like. This is something more, something that has no words. At that point, he began to weep loudly, and for a second, the girl's incredulity was briefly shaken. She, of course, began to experiment. She set up a video camera at night, but every night, like clockwork, she would turn off the camera right before she fell asleep. She never remembered this, mind you. She just watched herself the next day get up and move over and hit the off button. It was as if whatever lived in her had a desire to survive and so ensured it would never be caught. It was then the girl began to believe her father. One night before bed, she knocked on his door. As she walked in, like a light bulb, she realized that her parents might sleep separately for reasons other than what she assumed. Dad, have you ever seen Mom change? Her father looked at her with wide eyes. No, he whispered. But your brother did. The girl never stayed away from her parents' home. She always ensured she was in bed like clockwork at a reasonable hour, away from the eyes of others. And so all were safe. As the story ended, Bethany looked at me. Wordlessly, she got up and flicked the last switch off. The room plummeted into a deep darkness. Nice story, I wanted to say. But I found myself unable to speak. Bethany was silent, and I heard her yawn and lie down. Within a minute, I heard the rhythmic breathing of her slumber. I sat immobile in the dark. Somehow, the darkness seemed to deepen around the direction of my bed. I heard muffled breathing that grew deeper and coarser, and felt something stir where Bethany was lying. It rustled and moved slowly in my direction. I wanted to move, I wanted to scream, but then nothing would come out. The rustling grew louder, and I felt the sheets of the bed slide off, 
and then just as abruptly, the rustling slowed and stopped. The chorus breathing also abruptly ended. There was dead silence. My hand twitched toward the light switch, but I otherwise sat still. It would be hours until morning. I hope you enjoyed The Ones Who Sleep Alone by Aim to Snack, as performed by yours truly. I'd like to personally thank you for joining me for this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. Makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to us. If you'd like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes featuring twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com where you can purchase season passes for this podcast and our other quality storytelling programs or become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well at the Otis Jerry channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Storytime, dating back to 2014. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Just search for Otis Jerry. Finally, thanks again to today's sponsor, Parcast Presents Halloween for theirs and Spotify's support of this show. Thanks again for giving Halloween a listen this month, and if you enjoy the program, please consider giving them a five-star review wherever you listen, and leave them a kind word in the comments, and let them know that I sent you. It would mean a lot to me. Until next week, stay spooky, and get some sleep, if you can. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. 
If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, the Otis Jivey channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.